your own thoughts. <laughs> Bless your heart. Um, so good to be here with you uh, this morning. Uh, before I uh, begin our time of study together, William, if you don't mind, if you just turn me down just, just a hair. Um, sorry. <laughs> He's making it all back there. He's, thank you. He's doing an excellent job. He's doing, playing the role of two people today while Alan's, Alan's away and out of town. But, uh, but we're so thankful and blessed to have some of our missionaries with us, uh, Stephanie and Arian uh, Costa. And your kids are David and Abigail. Y'all have no idea how big of an accomplishment that is for me to remember y'all's names. So, you know, remember, any, not just y'all, but anybody. And so I was working really hard this morning. I was like, I want to make sure I get this right. I want to make sure I get this right. But it's so good to, to have them, oh, thank you, uh, with us this morning. And uh, they're going to come right now uh, and give us an update. But I'm going to have a prayer for them and for their mission uh, before they begin. So if you'll come and I'll pray over you all. Let me pray for you folks. Father, I just come right now and just thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy that you poured out through Jesus on the cross. And it's because of that message of Jesus, that wonderful gospel, that these people are working in your harvest fields around the world. We thank you for their mission to Albania and just pray that you will just be with them, Lord, and help them as only you can to strengthen their hearts and spirits so that they can do the work that you've called them to do. Just bless them, Lord, beyond measure. Father, in the days that that there are wonderful praises that are just innumerable and immeasurable. Lord, just, just let them praise with all their heart. And even in the days where the work is hard, it seems like there's sometimes little fruit in your, your efforts and your ministry. Lord, still let there be wonderful praise because you, you tell us that your word does not return void. So, Lord, just encourage in the deepest parts of their heart. Lord, bless their missions, bless their children, their lives and home together. And bless this dear brother as, he, as he's struggling with these two uh, that you bring and pronounce healing upon him. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome. Peace with you. You remember this uh, uh, word? Uh, Jesus said to, to the apostles, and when I came here uh, for first time in 2011, uh, I have been single, <laughs> single, <laughs> and I was embarrassed, but you encouraged me uh, very well, and I thank God for you all, and you see now, and, uh, and the blessings uh, in our family, I have now, God gave now me a wife and children, and uh, God is good. Amen. All the time. God is good. God is good. Thank Amen. you. Thank you for all, for your uh, prayers, for all uh, your supporting. Um, you are faithful in God. Uh, greetings first of all, first uh, from uh, Dr. Nicola, from a church of Duras, and also from a church in Kavaya, from Dennis. And uh, also, and uh, in, in a little uh, not church, but uh, how uh, home church in a in a uh, in a country. Uh, uh, we brother and sisters um, uh, now in Duras, we have a lot of of uh, a lot of work to do. Now we change. The, the the building we have uh, gone to to another to another building and we uh, hope and to pray for for people uh, to come uh, please pray for that uh, and in Kavaya uh, church there uh, uh, God uh, blessed uh, us there. Uh, uh, thank you for uh, uh, a boy there, uh, uh, Fabian, his name, and uh, you prayed and supported him for his for his teeth, uh, for his teeth. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, he is very happy now. He he talked a lot now, <laughs> and and now his and his face is. Uh, is 
is uh, is doing well now his face all and uh, thank you thank you god uh, thank you god uh, for this and thank you very much and you uh, uh, we have two boys in Kavaya and they are faithful and and uh, uh, they are now uh, following uh, uh, going to going to school for uh, one is for electric uh, electric and another is for 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 plumber and is 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 good for them uh, to go there to to learn and to teach uh, now the other uh, we have a community there there are uh, uh, a poor a poor community and uh, uh, we want they to 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 teach, to train about this job, uh, about this, and they to 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 go themselves uh, to do this uh, this job. Uh, we thank God and for this plan He has for these people, for this community, who they have no school, uh, not going to school, no job, and you know if they have no school, no job, they will uh, do another things, bad things. Uh, and we are there to, to teach them about this and to, and to uh, be close and they to know and uh, our God. Um, and we have also in the little church in, in another country is a uh, home church uh, we have two families there, and uh, and we go there, uh, and uh, uh, and uh, pray, worship, uh, give them a message to to one home, to one home. Uh, um, please pray for us for for that and uh, uh, for for two things. Uh, others for uh, 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 for two two girls and uh, and one uh, plan is is mobs. Uh, Stephanie will talk with you. I'm sorry for my for my English. I'm sorry. I just wanted to add one thing to what he was saying. If you want to specifically pray for that little town in the country, not in another country, but in, in the country, um, it's called Luzi Emave. That means big Luzi, but this town is not very big at all. It's a very small town, but Luzi, if you'll remember Luzi. Um, today, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness, and I see that, you know, maybe you're not the biggest church in this county, um, but y'all are faithful, and what y'all do um, helps us tremendously. Um, you are one of our uh, good supporting churches, and we really appreciate you, and the little things, like providing money for uh someone to have their teeth fixed so they don't have headaches anymore and don't have problems with their physical health. That, that was a huge accomplishment. And now I've seen y'all have collected um, craft supplies for us. Um, thank you very much. We definitely will take those back and put those in good use. Um, you may or may not know, but in December, my father passed away with pancreatic cancer pretty quickly. Um, I came back in November with Abby because I wanted to spend some time with my family as my dad was getting sicker and we knew that things would not last very long. Um, and I was here with Abby. Ariane was in Albania with David. And I was kind of like a single mom for the first time, <laughs> being here for four months in the States, not having Ariane here with me. 
And my mom's church uh, reached out to me and said, hey, we have a program called Moms, Mothers of Preschoolers. I don't know if y'all have that here or not. Um, But it is a wonderful program, and I was able to go to Moms for a couple of times at my mom's church. And I said, wow, this would be amazing if we had it in Albania. Because moms in Albania basically are homebound. They stay at home. They cook from scratch. They do everything in the home. And the husband goes out and works, drinks coffee, meets his friends. But usually the women don't. The women stay at home and are secluded with their children pretty much for the most part. Um, And I thought, what a great way for moms to get together and encourage each other. And I said, this is the time in my life where I need that. So I'm sure that other moms in Albania need it as well. But there's nothing in Albania. <laughs> we just got a Burger King. <laughs> so there's, I, I'm thinking there's no mops in Albania. I'm going to have to start it from scratch. But supposedly mops is global, so I'll contact them and see what happens. Well, guess what? There was about 10 mops groups that have already started. So I met the coordinator and started talking with her, praying with her, seeing how this could fit Albania and Endurance, because there wasn't one in Doris. Um, and in May, we were able to start our first MOPS class. I have about five moms, um, but not all of them are Christians, which is excellent. <laughs> excellent. Because I want to pull them in, and I want to show them the love of Christ. And I, in the past, had done English classes because I'm a teacher. In America, I was an ESL teacher, so I taught English in the schools. But that was really, I don't think, what God was leading me to do because I would have teenagers that would come for a couple days, and then they wouldn't come anymore, and then they'd come later, but then they were lost in the lesson. And I was like, I'm just not feeling this as a ministry for Christ. But then when MOPS happened, I was so excited. I couldn't wait to tell Ariane. I was like, Ariane, this has got to happen in Albania. Um, So now I'm praying that it will also be able to start in Kavaya. I mean, I don't want it just to be in Doris. I want it to be in Kavaya as well. So pray that God will allow us to to spend our time wisely going from from town to town and to make this happen. Um, The moms are very encouraged that are in the program, and we're really excited about it. Another thing Ariane wanted me to talk to you about was when we moved the church, um, it was a great blessing in Doris. We were able to find a nicer building at a cheaper price, which was two benefits. But I feel like this was more... Um, not just a location move, but also a a God move, because since then, we've been able to work in that neighborhood. Our old church was on the main street in Doris. It was very, very busy. People didn't stop for anything. It was go, go, go. But now we're in a neighborhood, still on a good street across from a school, but people kind of linger around a little bit more and hang out a little bit more. You see more families, more parents, more moms, more children. And I said, wow, this is amazing. So since then, um, Ariane has been started eating in a local restaurant that was near to the church because they were moving the church and didn't have time to come home for lunch. So him and Denise would eat at, at this restaurant that just opened. And since then, we've been evangelizing to these two girls that work there, that own the restaurant and work there. And I don't know about today. I haven't heard today yet because um, they've already had church indoors. But uh, last Sunday, one of the girls came to church for the first time. So I said, thank you, Jesus. If only we moved just for this one family, then thank you that we moved, you know. Um, so we're really excited. Their name is Susanna and Diana. if you want to pray for them um, to, to come to Christ and, and to continue coming to church. So we have had ministries like a roller coaster. You have ebbs and flows. You have up and downs. But I feel such a great spirit starting now in in our churches. And I'm just excited to to watch it happen. Now that we've hired Denise, um, another minister, um, him and Arion work great together. And I'm just sitting back doing what I need to do, but praying for it and and watching it go. And we just want to encourage y'all, if you have Facebook, we are Keisha Christian. Um, 
and that's what you write and and Esther has the page if you want to get in contact with her and I post updates and pictures of what we're doing so you can keep involved or message me or whatever so we appreciate you we want you to to continue to keep in contact with us and and share with us what y'all are doing here as well and um, we appreciate it and come come visit right huh? come visit <laughs> Come visit, yes. Come, we need we need you you to visit us. God bless you all. Amen. Well, again, thank you all so much for being here. We are. Uh, thankful to support you, very thankful to support you. To begin our time of study together, let us pray and ask God's blessing to be over it. Father, we come again at this time seeking your truth of your gospel uh, in your word that uh, Lord convicts as well as comforts. We pray that you, you pour out what is needed today upon us all. Lord, that you would do it individually and use your Holy Spirit to speak to us in such a way that, that we will feel your presence we might even feel your prompting, Lord, or that we might be more devoted followers, or that it might bless our lives, but that we might also be a blessing to others, but most of all, be a blessing to you. Lord, through this word, just show us what it is that we need to know. Through Christ, we pray. Amen. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm chapter 13, you can look in your bulletin, but you can also uh, look up on the screen. It is there for you as well. Psalm chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, reads like this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemies will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for He has been good to me. Sometimes I think we just need to complain. Anybody else in agreement with me on that one? Say, oh yeah. Okay, I'm glad we're all in agreement here. I'm glad I'm not alone. Sometimes I think we just need to complain. And, I, and I'm not just going to say that and leave it. I want to tell you why. I simply ask you, have you ever had something that bothered you so bad that you just constantly ran it through your mind? You were running through a million and a half scenarios. You were thinking of all that you could have said and all that, all that you could have done. You kind of look a little bit like this guy here. You start out puzzling and wondering and you, you kind of bring forth those if-onlys. If I had only, or, or, or if only I had said this. If only I had done that. Or I, I can't believe that they would do this to me. Or, or it's, just, it's just not fair. We complain, don't we? It starts first in the brain. Starting to try to rationalize it ourselves. I think you well get the picture. But it's in times like this that after we think about it ourselves for a little while, what does it seem to be the next thing that we we do or that we want to do. We seek out somebody else, right? We go to them and ask them to listen, maybe willfully or unwillfully. <laughs> Sometimes we just unload on people, don't we? We begin to express these complaints that were at one time secluded to just us. Now they're, they're given to someone else. And you know what I tend to find? When we tell somebody else what's going on, when we even complain, because let's just be honest, that's what it is most of the time. We complain to somebody else that when we've done this, I notice that we have accomplished absolutely nothing 
to work toward a resolution of our situation because that's what a complaint is, right? A complaint is just a statement of which nothing is done about. You're just stating it, bothered by it, that's it. But generally when we complain to somebody, we usually feel better, don't we? We have that weight that's just lifted immediately off our shoulders just just because we said something to someone, right? Our problems are just simply released when we express them. When we just get them off the top of our poor, tormented mind and out of our troubled hearts. This isn't just a kind of a, a, a recent development. This has been the human experience, I, I believe, for, for years. Let's look again at this passage. Let's be honest about how David prayed because first, I see a complaint. I really do. I see a complaint where he says, How long, Lord? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Now, this is not the first, and nor is it the last of any complaints of Scripture. No, there's quite a few more. In fact, last week, we looked at Habakkuk when he complained to God, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry, Violence! but you do not save. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid this burden of all these people on me? Job grumbled when he said, I have become a laughingstock to my friends, though I called on God and He answered, a mere laughingstock though righteous and blameless. Now get ready for this one. Jesus cried out to God in complaint from the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Sounds like a complaint to me, doesn't it? When each of these complaints was leveled, and so many more in Scripture, when these these things were offered to God, not one of these people could do anything on their own to change their circumstances without the intervention of God's help except for Jesus. However, He chose instead, though, to be forsaken for the greater good of all mankind as all of sin, past, present, and future, was laid upon His shoulders. Thus, He was just as helpless then as the people around Him, and He was just as helpless as we are now when it comes to things that we cannot do anything about. When our hearts and minds are are troubled, we tend to complain. I don't mean to make light of what these people have said and what they've experienced, but this is just the truth. That's what these things are, they're complaints. But yet, each one of these complaints has one key observation that cannot go unnoticed when we read them or when we hear them. The observation that we need to make is that these complaints were offered in faith. Each of these complaints and so many more of Scripture were always offered in faith. These people were all the recipients of great trouble in their lives and each one, though, still yet had a great faith and trust in God. But that didn't change the situation for them in that moment. It didn't change the fact that that they were still perplexed enough to ask God basically, what are you doing? What's your reason? What's your purpose? Do you have a plan? God, where are you? Where are you? Even though they had great trust and faith in God, there was still a moment when they had to release it because it was troubling their heart and mind so much, they just had to say, God, why? When? How? 
Or are you even going to work this out? Almost as to say, remind me, Lord. Remind me, Lord. So let's just take David, for instance, in this passage we've read this morning. Listen again to his complaint in verses 1 and 2. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You see, this is a complaint that that comes at a time in David's life when he was afraid for his very life. He was the anointed king of Israel, but yet he was anointed king while there was still a king on the throne. You remember King Saul? Does anybody remember how he felt when he found out that David had been anointed king? Good for him. That's wonderful. I will gladly step down and let him have my throne. You can even have all my servants. You can have all my gold. You can have everything. Absolutely not. Saul was dethroned by God himself, but yet he was still hanging on to every bit of hope that he could keep it. I hate to tell you all folks, but I think you know this already, and it's something I need to be reminded of too. When God has set something in motion, no man can stop it. When God has a plan and a will that he sees that needs to be carried forth in this world, no one, including no one, can stop it. Talking about the end of time, Jesus said, only the Father knows, not even the Son, but only the Father knows when the end of time, when God calls all His children home, brings everything to an end, will be. No one can stop what God has put in motion, but that does not mean that we're not going to claw, we're not going to scratch, we're not going to beg, we're not going to plead for things to change and work in the favor that we think it needs to be. David was afraid for his life because all Saul wanted to see David was, was dead. Now David knows in the deepest recesses of his heart that God did not make him king just to see him killed. But that does not mean that he's not still afraid. Just because God is protecting us and leading us doesn't mean that we're not going to experience some near misses, some scrapes that make us hold our breath, wondering if we'll breathe the next. But how many of us have been there before? How many of us have been in this place before? We know that God is with us. We know His promise is still true that the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. A promise quoted many times in the Old Testament, but also a promise brought into the New Testament by Paul, reaffirming it for today that God goes with you. He goes with His people. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. This is a promise that we can stand on day after day after day. And we know this promise. We can quote it in difficult times. But even though we know it, even though we want to believe it, we cannot seem to get our minds to shut down the thoughts that come as a result of our anxious moments of of waiting. We think to ourselves, just as David, how long, Lord? How long? How long, Lord? How long? I want you to listen to uh, these great words I discovered this week from a Respected commentary I turn to just about every week. The commentator said, The fourfold how long, being that there were four times David said, how long, of verses 1 and 2 set forth David's complaint sharply. If God cares, why has He not responded? If God cares about me, why has He not responded? Yet, how long, when David says it, contains the hope that there will be divine action in spite of present appearances? When he says how long, he doesn't believe that he's just going to end there. He says, how long, Lord, knowing that something is still yet to happen for him that he cannot see? He says it four times, reminding himself four times, how long, Lord? How long? How long? How long? 
Lord, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I know is what he's saying in the deepest part of his heart that he is going to do something. God will do something for David. This is just another reminder that words are powerful, especially first the word of God and also the words of his people who pray in the spirit. They are powerful. Amen. God's word is power. God's spirit through us makes our prayers Go forth to heaven with great power. The spirit with which David offers his complaint is what turns this from a simple complaint that God minds to one that he now understands. Faith changes the nature of our complaint because our complaint is filled with the spirit of hope. Because you see, hope is the central theme and the means of faith. Let me say that one more time. Hope is the central theme and means of faith. In fact, hope is what makes faith possible in the first place. Again, let's look at this definition of biblical faith in that faith is confidence in what we hope for. Let's say that together. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hope is the central theme and the means of faith. David's hope, his faith in in God's plan for his life is what enabled David to pray the following complaint, or excuse me, pray after his complaint. Faith is what enabled David to pray this after his complaint, Look on me, Lord, and answer me, Lord my God. Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. He levels a complaint to God, but then he prays. Lord, look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He's saying, illuminate me. Show me what you're doing. Show me yourself. Show me your plan. Show me who you are. Your goodness and your mercy. Everything of who you are. Show show your light to my eyes. Or I will sleep in death. And my enemies will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. He says, Lord, let me see you so I don't fall. Lord, let me see you so my enemies cannot say that he fell because he did not trust his God. Where was his God, they would say. He's saying, Lord, show me who you are so they could never say that about you. Keep me strong, Lord, so that I will not fall. And not only may they not mock me, but may they not mock you. His complaint was followed by a prayer. And may we so train ourselves that after every complaint that we level, just as David, that we pray. And when we do, the direct result is one of true revelation. When we pray and leave our burden at the feet of Jesus, we walk away with an immediate answer to our situation, believe it or not. When we pray and leave our situation at the feet of Jesus, sometimes we may think that we might not walk away with an answer. But really, indeed we do. If we could say anything about what David has said here, he got an immediate answer to his prayers even though he did not know what the future held. And the same goes for us when we pray. Even when we do not know what the future holds, we have an immediate answer to prayer, and it's this, that God has got this. I've heard that a lot since I've come to this congregation. Brenda reminds me about it all the time. All the time. She's faithful to remind not only me, but each of us that God has got this. And that's not just a saying that she's created. That's a biblical statement she stands on and the rest of us should too. That whenever we pray, we should realize at the end of every prayer, that's why Jesus prayed in the Lord's model prayer, Father, let Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, let God's will be made known among us as we live. May what God sees in heaven and wants there become a part of what we experience on this earth. When we pray, we should know, walking away, that God has got this. That in God's perspective, we should know to Him, this answer is good enough for every circumstance. In God's perspective, this answer 
is good enough in every circumstance. That's what faith is all about. It's all about trust, and God is asking us, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Sometimes I have to be honest with myself and say, I don't know how much I trust you. I want to trust you, Lord. But my, humili- my, my human nature is, is in the way. My, my humanness, as, as the phrase has been coined recently, my, my humanness, my, my fleshly nature is in the way of my trusting you. May we then pray, Lord, may my faith increase. <laughs> may I learn to trust you more today than I did yesterday because God's still offering this same answer every time we pray that I've got this. That I've got this. This is an answer that's good enough for every circumstance. It's good enough for every hardship. And it's good enough for every trial. But there is a catch. And I've already mentioned it. And it's not a catch on God's end. It's a catch on our end. That we need to learn how to accept this answer from God when we pray. Because until we do, this answer will never be good enough for us. But it's always good enough for God. Because He is omnipotent. He knows all. He sees all. And He's going to do what is best. He only has good in store for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. I have great plans for you, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. A promise for God's people of old and a promise that we should still stand on today. God is still saying, I've got good in store for you. Why won't you trust me that I do? Though you may be going through a hardship right now, you're living in a sinful and fallen world. That's a reality that we have to get through our thick skulls that I try to learn every day and every trial gets us going even more thinking, why is this happening? Just sometimes we live in a terrible world. And that's why God made us for heaven so we don't have to stay here very long. That's just the reality of it. Sometimes I, when people ask me why, I, I just say, honestly, I just don't know. Because I don't sometimes. Bob Russell said, sometimes we can explain what happened to us. <laughs> Great preacher from Southeast Christian Church, ministered and still ministering for some years. So he said, sometimes it's blatantly obvious what happens to us and other times we cannot explain it. And he said, when we can't explain it, that's just when we need to trust God more, that one day he can. That one day he can. You see, for those who don't trust in God, they don't trust in his provision for their lives. They have nothing more than mere religion. And again, religion is an experience of God devoid of hope because it relies on self. It's devoid of faith because religion is all about what I can do and what I think I need to do to worship and please this God. But we can do nothing to please God other than one thing is to have faith and trust in Him. To place our lives in His hands. For those who have faith, they will be able to stand on the hope that God is working in our tomorrow when we cannot hardly deal with today. Though one may experience sorrow during the night, Joy arrives in the morning. Though there may be sorrow for the night, church, joy is going to come in the morning. Though there are hardships right now, one day there's going to be a brand new day dawning and you will experience joy. You may feel like you can't get through it now, but there's going to come a day when you're going to look back on this and you're going to ask God how you stood and you're just going to praise Him that you did. Amen? But right now, that may be a hard promise to stand on because you're standing in the midst of that trial. But one day, remember that our sorrows that last for the night, joy is still coming in the morning. Waiting for something to happen is the pits. I mean, it's just the truth. Waiting for something to happen is the pits. There's no doubt about that. But when we place our faith in God as we wait on His promise to be fulfilled in our lives, that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. This is a promise that God tells us to stand in because in periods of great waiting in our lives and in periods of moments of uncertainty, God has promised nothing less than to uphold us as His will unfolds. So we can't see what's going on. He's promised He's going to give us strength to endure until His will is made known. It's in these moments that we are called to be still and know that I am God. Be still connotates that we need to stop. We need to stand still. We need to stop working. We need to stop planning. We need to stop trying. We need to stop worrying because they haven't, those efforts have not worked yet. So stop. Be still. And know that I am God. 
Know that I care about you. Know that I am bearing your burden with you. Know that I am working in your tomorrow, even when you can't hardly deal with today. You know, a lot of people come to us and they say, calm down. You ever had somebody tell you that? Calm down. Just calm down. You're getting anxious. You're having a panic attack. You're working yourself up. Just calm down. Calm down. You calm down. Get out of my face. You're making it worse. You can tell I've experienced this before. I've been both on the receiving end and the giving end. I have been free to give this to my mother. You can tell her about that. And I learned as you grow from a child to an adult, that does not work very long. It doesn't work at all. In fact, there's less and less grace the more you do it to people. You are worked up because you can't be calm. And there's no sense in trying to calm down when you're all worked up. It just doesn't flick like a switch. People tell us all the time to calm down because they can't say anything else. They don't know anything else to do. God says, be still and know that I am God to our anxious spirits and anxious hearts. He's the one who promises if you calm down, you'll see that I've got this. If you just... Be still for just a moment. You, you will see that I really am working for your good. Oh, it's in these moments of anxious prayer. It's in these moments of troublesome times that, that call for us to lift our faith-filled complaints. It's okay. God's a big boy. He can deal with it. We can lift our faith-filled complaints to God. And it's in those moments when we, we lift those complaints with faith that God can do something about it. That even though things look bad, we can say to the Lord like David, Lord, things are rough, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for He has been good to me. I pray so many times in prayers in difficult situations right from the start, Lord, we want to be thankful because of all you've done. Let us not forget what you've done so that we won't forget what you've still yet to do. This is exactly what David's praying. He's remembering that God has been good to him in the past. And God hadn't changed. God promises us, though people change like sifting, shifting sands and changing shadows, I, on the other hand, I don't, I don't change, says God. And that's why we need to be able to say, Lord, I don't like what's going on, but I praise you because you've been good to me. In a 2018 guidepost devotion, anybody ever read those before? I, I love the guidepost. Pablo Diaz, one of, their, one of their devotion writers, said that prayer calls for patience and persistence. How and when our prayers are answered is out of our control. This is a challenge because our nature is our natural instinct is to be in control of our situations and of our circumstances. In prayer, we surrender our control, on the other hand, and we surrender our will to our loving and merciful God whose perspective, view, and knowledge of the bigger picture is beyond our comprehension and capacity. As children of faith, we must surrender to the wisdom and guidance of God, a parent who wants what is only best for his children. In this same devotion, Diaz quoted one of my favorite pastors and authors, Tim Keller, in saying, the final thought of every prayer must be for the help we need to accept thankfully from God's hand whatever he sends in his wisdom. To this, I believe the Apostle Paul would add, that we need to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, even while you wait. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for this day and all of your many blessings, for your love, your grace, and your mercy that you pour out to us every day. Our good brother said earlier, these mercies, these graces that are new every morning, we stand on that promise, Lord, because we need more grace. We need more mercy every day. Lord, I'm glad you have an unlimited supply because I know that I would tap out the resources just myself. Lord, because we 
We are so limited in our perspective. We can't see what's ahead, and we're sorry for doubting you. We're sorry for, Father, just not trusting you like we should. And so I pray, Lord, on behalf of all of us, that you increase our faith. That the next time something goes on, that sometime when, we, when we're tempted to question you, Lord, that we would just say in faith, even in our questioning, that we wouldn't put you off to the side, but that we would say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know why I have to wait, but I trust you anyway. Lord, may that come faster off our lips today than it did yesterday, and even more tomorrow than it did today. Father, just help us. Know our human nature. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail you. At last, save us through Jesus Christ. Lord, that we we might learn how to better wait upon you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I simply need to ask, you know, we, we talk about David saying, how long will I wait on you, Lord? But the question is today and in this moment right now, how long will God wait on you? How long is God going to wait on you to accept grace and find salvation in His Son? How long are you going to wait and is God going to wait on you to find freedom in your life that He wants to give you? He's already given you the victory, you just have to claim it. How long is He going to wait on you to lay that burden down? How long is He going to wait on you to get over your past so that you can accept the grace He's already given you and live in the bright, beautiful tomorrow that He has planned for you? How long is God going to wait on you and how long is He going to wait on me? Church, don't let God wait any longer. If there's a need on your heart in your life, if you don't know Jesus Christ, come today, accept Him into your heart, Prepare yourself for baptism. That way your sins might be washed away and you'll live in newness of life. If you need to repent because you're a sinner who has just strayed from the path, even though you're saved, we still stray and we wander. And you need to ask God, forgive me, Lord, of what I've done and prepare me for that that future that you have for me that I might live in it with more freedom than I did yesterday. Come today and lay those burdens down at His feet. If there's something trouble in your heart and mind, give it to the Lord. Don't wait. Because he doesn't want to wait any longer to give you these wonderful things he has in store for those he loves. If there's just anything that's troubling you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it might be, lay it down at his feet that you might be blessed today like never before as we stand together and as we sing. So oh. 
Just tragedy happening in life, sadness. A lot of times all I can do is say I'm sorry. But I can say with greater assurance that if we just wait on God, so I have to remind myself of this too, that He will provide something better than all of this. That He will bring us through, He will lift us up, he will show us his grace and mercies every day, new each day to carry on. But there are a lot of people who are struggling to carry on right now. We need to keep them in our prayers. A lot of sadness and sorrow. If you'd be seated for just a moment. Uh, we've got some wonderful news that even in the midst of this, 